Good evening. Glad you can join us again for Relational Theology, class number nine. Tonight we get to talk about the kingdom of God. But before we do, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, you lead us in truth. We don't want to just know about you as we study theology. We want to know you. We don't want to just know about truth. We want to live in it. We don't want to just know about your kingdom from an academic perspective. But we want to live in the reality and the authority of your kingdom. So we say, Holy Spirit, would you make it real to us? Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. The kingdom of God. We're down to the pointy end of the class. The exciting times. Uh, we've built a foundation and now we're seeing the things that affect us greatly. But let's take a look at the kingdom of God. Jesus began his ministry preaching about the kingdom of God. After the time in the wilderness, Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew uses the expression heaven because he's writing primarily to Jews, and Jews didn't like to uh, use God or any name for God. And so the term kingdom of heaven is interchangeable. In the uh, gospel with, with the kingdom of God, it means the same thing. So Jesus preached about that uh, from the very beginning. Uh, in verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease amongst the people. In fact, not only did he preach about that, but in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities because for this purpose I've been sent. He actually came from God to preach about the kingdom after his resurrection. It's what he spoke about. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3 says he presented himself alive after suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus began his ministry with the gospel of the kingdom or the kingdom of God. He spoke about it after his resurrection. In fact, there's about 10 times as many scriptures about the kingdom of God than about salvation in the gospels. Seems like it's pretty important. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out. It seems to be pretty important, but what is it? Is it heaven? As some have said, is it the church? Is it something that's limited to the future? What is the kingdom of God? George Eldon Landon in his book, The Gospel of the Kingdom, has this paragraph. The kingdom is a present reality, Matthew 12, 28, and yet it is a future blessing. 1 Corinthians 15:50 It is an inner spiritual redemptive blessing Romans 14:17 which can be experienced only by way of the new birth John 3:3 3, 3. Unless you're born again you can't enter the kingdom and yet it will have to do with the government of the nations of the world Revelation 11:15 The kingdom is a realm into which men enter now Matthew 21:31 and yet it's a realm into which they will enter tomorrow Matthew 8, 11. 
It is at the same time a gift of God which will be bestowed by God in the future, Luke 12, 32, and yet which must be received in the present, Mark 10, 15. Obviously, no simple explanation can do justice to such a rich but diverse variety of teaching. That's from George Eldon Land, The Gospel of the Kingdom. So, what is the kingdom of God? I'm glad you asked. It's all those things and much more. First, a kingdom is the authority to rule or to reign. The kingdom of God then is his kingship, his rule, his authority. Mark 10:15 says we are to receive the kingdom of God as a little child. What do we receive? Is it the church? No. Is it heaven? No. What we receive is God's rule, his authority in our lives. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying for God to reign, to manifest his kingly sovereignty and power, to put to flight every enemy of righteousness of his divine rule, that God alone may be king over all the, all the world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about God's authority, God's rule to be established on the earth. So the kingdom of God is first and foremost his rule, his authority to reign. But a reign or a rule also has a realm. The realm is that which is ruled. So the kingdom of God is secondly a realm in which God's reign may be experienced. In the natural, we talk about a realm as geography. The authority of the rule of Canada ends at the U.S. border. There's a geographical boundary uh, where that rule exists or that government exists. Uh, but the rule of the kingdom of God is spiritual. So it's not limited to a geographical border. It's limited, the realm of the kingdom is those who are submitted to the rule of the king. Thirdly, in the Bible, the kingdom of God is sometimes referred to as a realm we enter today, and sometimes it's referred to as a realm we enter in the future. <clears throat> so, the key is that there are three expressions in scriptures of the kingdom of God. Some scriptures refer to the kingdom of God as God's reign or his rule. His kingdom endures forever and ever. The realm might not endure, but the rule does. The kingdom. Secondly, some scriptures refer to the kingdom of God as the realm. We may now enter to receive his blessing. In essence, Jesus says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Thirdly, some scriptures refer to the kingdom of God as a future realm, which will only come when Jesus returns. So we need to see those three things as we read the Bible. The rule of God, the realm over which he rules, and a future expression of the fullness of that when Jesus comes. Now there's another concept thrown in there that I want to just touch on 
before we get into what this actually means for us in a few minutes. And that is the concept of this age and the age to come. Matthew 12, 32. Jesus speaking says, Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. 1322 uh, talks about the sower when he hears the word. It says, and uh, when he received the seed among the thorns, is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, that word is actually age, aeon, the cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. So it's the same having to do with an age or a uh, time. It's more the characteristics of the time than the duration or, or the time. It's the age, this age and the age to come. The AV translated 1232 as this world and the world to come. But there's a different Greek word that means world and this means an age or an eon of time. And then Ephesians in chapter 1 and verse... 21 says far above all rule or principality and power and mind and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come so it expresses these two concepts the age to come if we look at that rest of scripture is the fulfilled complete consummation of the kingdom when Jesus returns it's when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation eleven fifteen. It's the fulfillment. It's the totality where the kingdom of God has pushed out every enemy, has overthrown every other rule, has become the, uh, the only rule. That's the future. That's what... When many of the Jews talked about the kingdom of God, that was their expectation. That's what Daniel talks about, this kingdom rule that will be forever and ever. At the same time, this age refers to this current age or present evil age. Galatians 1.14 says, uh, saves us from this present, this current evil age. So this age is the current age or the present age of which is evil and under the rule of the devil. Twice Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. Ephesians 2, verse 1, from where we were just reading, uh, He made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince or the rule of the power, or the authority of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, who now works in the sons of disobedience. So this current evil age, and then back over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, from verse 3, it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 
So we see the situation where this present evil age is set against the kingdom. The, the expression of that is to blind people's eyes or minds to the truth of the kingdom of God. And so Satan is the, the ruler of this evil age. This is not under the rule of God. Though the mystery of the kingdom is that the fullness of the age to come has broken in to this evil age. The fullness of the age to come, the kingdom of God has broken in. And that's what Jesus was teaching. While it's not yet complete or perfect, we can experience the blessings by submitting to the king's rule. In other words, the uh, original dominion or rule that God gave to man in the garden is being restored. A new king has come. Remember when we started, we talked about in the garden, God made Adam and Eve and he made them in his image for relationship and he gave them rule or dominion over the planet, rulership. And that both were lost at the fall, relationship with God, rulership, Satan became the God of this world. And through the different covenants, we've seen God restoring an understanding of relationship and a bit of an understanding of rulership, but never the authority to, to rule again until Jesus. With Noah, God said, be fruitful and multiply after the, the flood. But he didn't give them authority back. He gave them the mandate, but not the authority. And we only see in Jesus the authority. A new king has come. A new authority has come. It's not complete, that's the future kingdom, but it's broken in and we can experience it now. It's all about kingdom authority. And that's what I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about so you understand. If the kingdom of God is about authority to rule, then it's necessary for Jesus to establish his authority. Understanding that Satan is already the ruler of this world. Now we, under, we know from the original that he's a usurper. But in regards to that, he's still in control here. The world lies under the influence of the evil one. And so we need to get that in our heads. That the kingdom has broken in, but it's not complete yet. But uh, Jesus is establishing his authority. Matthew Chapter 12 and verse 28. One of the keys says, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is establishing his authority over the rule of Satan and demons. Matthew 9 from verse 1. We're going to read to 8. So he got in a boat and crossed over and he came to his own city. And behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk. 
but that you might know that the Son of Man has power, that word actually is authority, exousia, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house and the multitude saw it and they marveled and glorified God who had given such power or authority to men. So Jesus is establishing his authority that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's the kingdom breaking in. That's a new authority. He says, rise, get up and walk. Chapter 8, verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the demons with a word and healed all those who were sick. Love that, that he's casting out demons and healing. He's connecting the two. The authority of the kingdom is over demons and sickness. Matthew 4, back where we read just a moment ago, we'll read from verse 23 and 24. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. A demonstration of the kingdom was in healing. Mark chapter 1 and verse 25. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, come I mean, this is a, a, a uh, unclean spirit. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. What new kingdom is this? What new authority is this? And immediately his fame spread throughout all that region around Galilee. And then one more, Galatians. Chapter 1 and verse 4. I'll start in 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So he came to deliver us. There is something of his authority. Now what we need to understand is that Jesus' authority, his exousia, was demonstrated by casting out demons and healing the sick. I hope you saw that in the scriptures. He tied those together and he said, if by the spirit of God I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come. The rulership of God, the authority of God, the rule of God has come. And so he's demonstrating his authority by casting out demons and healing the sick. Acts chapter 10. In verse 38, says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. 
for God was with him. And one more, 1 John 3, 8. Way back just before the book of Revelation, just before Jude. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So what can we conclude? As Jesus is establishing his authority, his kingdom rule, and is casting out demons and healing the sick, what we can see is that both demons and sickness are part of Satan's rule. They're not part of God's kingdom. They're part of the result of sin. Adam and Eve fell. Satan became the ruler of this world. The whole world lies in the, the influence of the evil one. And so demons and sickness are an expression of the devil's rule. And that's why when Jesus says, preach the gospel of the kingdom and heal the sick, he's demonstrating the kingdom by overthrowing the rule of the devil. That's exciting because he ties those two things together. Healing is just not some random thing. Healing was just not some miraculous thing to, to prove that Jesus was God. It was the kingdom of God breaking in. It was a demonstration of the authority of the king to rule. And it's tied in with the advancement of the kingdom throughout history. Casting out demons and healing the sick were the demonstrations, part of the demonstration of the authority that Jesus had. But there's another demonstration. Jesus' kingdom authority was demonstrated when he rose from the dead. See, he says in Matthew At the very end, chapter 28, and verse 18, it's hiding here in my Bible. And Jesus came, this is right after he's risen from the dead. They were worshiping him. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then you know the, uh, the command. He tells his disciples to go make disciples of all the nations. We're going to come back to that in just a second. I'll keep your finger there. But there's something about his resurrection that overthrew. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. And from verse 20, it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ also be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he delivers a kingdom to God the Father and he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power, and he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy 
that will be destroyed is death. So Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the first fruits of destroying the kingdom of Satan and the power of that kingdom, which is death. And so it's the beginning. It's the demonstration of his kingdom rule. And so we see, I hope you see, that Jesus established his authority and we see that. That's why Jesus rose from the dead. One of the main reasons if Jesus was only a sacrifice, a covenant sacrifice for our sin and took our sin upon himself, he didn't have to rise from the dead. It wasn't just restoring us to relationship, but it was also establishing his kingdom. Sorry, I've got a fire going in my lounge room and I'm roasting. So I had to uh, open the door. So the kingdom authority was demonstrated when he rose. But here's the fun part. Jesus gives that same kingdom authority to his followers. As we were reading in Matthew 28, Jesus makes the statement that all authority has been given to him. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So his presence with us is the expression of his authority. We see earlier on, Matthew 10, Jesus sending his disciples in verse 1. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Verse 7, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lever, lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You've not just received the gospel of the kingdom, but you've received the authority of the kingdom. Freely you receive, freely give. Over in Luke, chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You've been given an authority that is the kingdom authority. And then one more. Second Corinthians, chapter 5. From verse 18. It says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We're ambassadors. Ambassador, the definition literally means a representative of a ruling authority. We're ambassadors. We represent a ruling authority. 
So we've been given authority to preach the gospel, which is the message of reconciliation, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, which is the ministry of reconciliation. Establishing the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom. I hope you're still with me. In Acts chapter 3, we see this illustrated in a great situation where uh, in verse that the story is Peter and John go to the uh, temple there's a man who's been lame from his mother's womb and you know the story uh, they, uh, Peter and John Peter said to him look at us and he gave their attention thinking he was going to receive something and Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. It's Jesus' name through faith in his name. Jesus' name is not a tag that we throw on at the end of our prayer. After I've prayed everything in Jesus' name, amen. No, Jesus' name is his authority, his purpose, his fame, his glory. It's not about my fame or recognition. It's not about my purpose, my ministry, my authority. In essence, Jesus' name is like a power of attorney. We represent him as ambassadors, as representatives of a ruling authority. We represent him and in his name, according to his purpose, according to his authority, according to his plan and his fame, we can declare his kingdom has come. That's pretty exciting when we realize it. We partner with him. Jesus is raising up an exceedingly great army. Ezekiel 38.10 talks about the dry bones that were filled. And they stood an exceedingly great army. So walking in relationship with him and submitted to his authority, his rule, with his kingdom authority, led and empowered by his spirit, we have the privilege of advancing his rule or his kingdom in the, in the world, in this present evil age. Walking in relationship with him and submitted to his authority, filled with, given his kingdom authority, we have to submit to his rule, his authority, before we can work in it. Led and empowered by his spirit to advance his kingdom in the world, not ours, in this present evil age. And that's something that every one of us is called to. We're called to intimate covenant relationship with the king. And then partnership to represent him and exercise his authority in other words, use his name to advance his kingdom. Intimate relationship and authority to use his name to advance his kingdom. In essence, a merit. And that's what we saw when we talked about the new covenant. A loving relationship in intimacy with him and then partnering with him to see his kingdom advanced by using his authority. Now let me say this, it doesn't take professionals to do this. 
we all get to. When we understand the kingdom, when we understand the plan and purpose of God, we're a kingdom of priests. We all together have this relationship with God, this intimate covenant relationship. We all, each one individually, are empowered, filled with the Spirit, and given the authority to use His name and His kingdom to advance His kingdom. We all get to do that. It doesn't take a professional. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to study for years in university. It comes with the territory of knowing Jesus and submitting to his rulership. Once we know him, we have the privilege of partnering with him to make him known. Now because I can't speak about kingdom leadership without uh, kingdom authority without dealing with some common misperceptions. I want to talk about kingdom leadership just briefly. I hope you still have some some attention left. It seems like whenever we talk about kingdom authority, there's some quite common misunderstandings. Uh, When you speak about kingdom authority, many people hear spiritual authority and when they hear spiritual authority, they think some sort of leadership or authority of leaders. So just so we see the kingdom and what it says about this, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 20. It says, when the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down, asking something from him, and he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your kingdom. Talking about something of authority. Give them the the place of authority in your kingdom. And Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. They said to him, we are able. They? I don't know if you saw that, but if they were there, they sent mom to ask Jesus. They're very courageous young men, aren't they? Because it starts out with mom coming, but then they're right there because they respond and say, oh, we're able. And he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. They kind of thought, okay, these guys are trying to sneak in here. They're trying to get a position of authority. They're trying to get some sort of place ahead of us. And so they were displeased. And Jesus called them to himself. And he said something about kingdom, authority, and leadership. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus contrasts kingdom leadership and worldly leadership. 
They're talking about a position of authority or, or leadership in the kingdom. And he says, you know that the rulers or the leaders of the Gentiles, that's the world, lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over. So worldly leadership exercises authority over or rule over someone. Understand worldly leadership is still under the influence of the evil one. Jesus is saying uh, is saying that worldly leadership has to do with authority over or rule over or control over someone. That authority is done through control. If, you, uh, if you're the boss and you pay the wages, you can tell people what to do. If you've got the biggest army, if you're the bully in the, the playground, you can have some sort of control or intimidation. But it's also done through ideology. We see that in certain religions that will control people through ideology. But Jesus is saying that the kingdom doesn't work that way. The world is control over, the kingdom isn't. And so what we need to understand, since Jesus is the head over everyone in his kingdom, it's his kingdom rule, he's the king, kingdom leadership is not over someone, but in front of someone. In other words, he's saying you lead by serving. Doesn't mean you're behind because that's not leading. But how do you lead if you're not over someone? You lead by serving. You lead by example. You pave the way. You go before. It's the guy who's in the front cutting down the, the jungle so that those behind can follow along. It's Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. So kingdom leadership is a focus that is on character and maturity not on position and authority. It's more about the ability to hear God's voice because Jesus is the head of the church than to have the experience to know what to do. In other words, leadership in the world is hierarchy. In the kingdom, it's not. Let me say that again. What Jesus is saying in contrasting these two he says, worldly leadership is hierarchy. It's having some sort of control, some sort of authority over people. And then he says, just the opposite, kingdom leadership is not. It's not having authority over people. It's not having control over people. How do you lead people when you have no control over them? You lead by example. You lead by character. You lead by being in front, not by being over. I think for that reason, we'll, we'll see later on, that the structure of leadership in the kingdom is team, not hierarchy. Not a celebrity. Jesus is the only celebrity in his kingdom. So leadership then is function, not position. It's the ability to hear the head of the church. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about his rulership, his authority. We're talking about that breaking into this present evil age, which is under the, the rule or the authority of the evil one. We don't see it complete in that it doesn't include all people of all nations, though it will at some point. But we still see that authority being established. We see that authority, that rule being demonstrated in casting out demons and healing the sick. 
we see that authority of Jesus establishing his authority by rising from the dead and then giving that authority under his rulership, delegating that authority to his followers, to his disciples, to represent him. Let's not misunderstand that and try and bring a worldly concept. Kingdom authority is not about uh, some sort of church structure or hierarchical structure. Kingdom authority is about the authority to represent the king in establishing his kingdom. So what does that mean for us? means a few things. First, let's throw off the authority of this evil age along with its values and structures. Let's throw them off. Let's recognize this, this age lies under the influence of the devil. The values, the, uh, the structures, all that goes with it are demonic. They're actually set against the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God that has broken in, a loving God who's, who's breaking into this uh, corrupt and evil st structure. So let's throw that off. Let's bow to the authority of the rightful king. Let's recognize when we declare Jesus is Lord, we're saying, I'm bowing to your rule, to your authority. You're the king. You're the Lord of my life. And then also let's break free from the restrictions of hierarchy and the intimidation of professionals. Let's break free from that. That says you can't do something until you've had enough education or gone to some seminary or completed enough courses or, or anything. That, that's an intimidation that says I'm not qualified. You're never qualified. You're qualified because Jesus is with you. All authority has been given to him. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. In this age, we're qualified because of his presence. His spirit that comes upon us. And then let's move in the authority of the kingdom of God. Let's preach the gospel. Let's heal the sick. Let's cast out demons. In other words, let's destroy the works of the devil. That's what we get to do. We get to work with Jesus and destroy the works of the devil. We get to set people free, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the truth of the rulership of God, and people can be restored to relationship. We can heal the sick as a demonstration of the kingdom coming. We can cast out demons. All those are demonstrations that the kingdom is here. The rule of God is here. And in doing that, we fulfill our destiny of partnering with the king of the universe to see his kingdom advanced. Very quick run through the kingdom of God. Something that you could spend uh, much of your life studying, and even as we are looking at theology, we realize that we have our whole lives to fill in all the, the gaps. We're hitting some of the high points, but even this one point itself. But what hit me again, what hit me anew as I was studying this is that Jesus' authority means that he's overthrowing the works of the devil. And that demonization and Sickness are works of the devil. And as we partner with him, sometimes we're taught that sickness is God's plan for us. 
Sickness is something that causes us to learn and to grow. That's like saying demonization is God's plan for someone. Someone being, having a demon in them is God's plan because they're somehow going to learn something. The reality is that both of those are expressions of the rule of the devil in this evil age. And so we have an authority in Jesus as we walk with him to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So there's something that's been stirring in me for months about restoring the authority of the kingdom to the church, a kingdom of priests, and with that, understanding something of healing being a demonstration of the kingdom. It's tied in with the gospel. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing those who were sick. Jesus told his disciples, I give you authority. Preach the gospel and heal the sick. And so preaching healing without the gospel is actually a disservice. When we pray for someone's healing who doesn't know Jesus, it's a demonstration of Jesus and we can do that. We can expect God to break in, but it's got to be tied in with the declaration of the gospel because it's, that's how we come out of the rule of Satan into the rule of the kingdom of God. And so there's something stirring in that, as I said at the beginning of the year on, on a Sunday morning about God increasing, uh, just our moving of the Spirit. There's something understanding our authority that we have in Christ, understanding His authority, and all, of, all that entails that we move in partnership with him. I think God's raising up an army of believers, an army of saints, kingdom of priests, an exceedingly great army uh, that is there to partner with him and have an impact on the world. It's not a few names, it's not a few celebrities, it's not a few internet people, it's every believer walking in intimacy and moving in the authority. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've called us and we've only responded to you. You've saved us when we didn't deserve it. Your grace was sufficient and while we were yet sinners, you died. But as you rose from the dead, you've also empowered us by your spirit and given us your authority, the right to use your name to advance your kingdom. Lord, what an incredible privilege. Lord, I pray for people who are listening to this, a freedom from intimidation and the, <clears throat> and the lie that comes that says you're not qualified enough, you don't know enough, you're not prepared enough. Lord, I just speak freedom from that in Jesus' name. Lord, where we've been taught that sickness is the, the will of God, I just pray a breaking down of that deception and a releasing to understand that that's not your plan, God, but that you came to destroy the works of the enemy, of which sickness is one. Thank you, Lord. Lord, what we felt like we had to have a position. It was only the leaders who could minister. We just break that lie down and say that there is a kingdom of priests. We speak of releasing of your priesthood to do the work of the ministry 
preaching the gospel, healing the sick, and casting out demons. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's walk in the authority of his kingdom. <laughs>